but I am curious to hear about wh- how you're feeling about this season of The Bachelorette. This happens every season, but you always have the guy who goes to the girl and says, I want to talk to you about so-and-so. I think they're in it for the wrong reasons. And it never goes well for that person. Right. Like the, the person who goes in like tattletales, that never goes no, well for them. And yet people wor- keep they doing it. worse than the, yeah. than the douchey guy. Oh, completely, completely. And yet people continue to do it. And everyone says, like, I'm not going to be the guy who, like, you know, says, and then what, and then, like, the next episode, they're like, you know what, I just don't feel like you're here for the right reasons, and I'm going to go tell her about it. And it's just like, ugh. It just stresses me out too much. (laughs) Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, folks. Here we go. See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. We are, I would say, about halfway through summer at this point, at least from the box office perspective. Um... This week, we are actually talking about one of probably the biggest movies of the box office, Incredibles 2. But before we jump into that, let's introduce ourselves and tell the world which of Jack-Jack's powers are your favorite. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and he has a lot. I counted, I think, like eight or nine. Um, The one that... I think is overlooked the most, but that is always like my favorite superhero power in all different kinds of movies and stuff is like telekinesis, the, the ability to like move things with your mind. Mm. I just think that like it's a pretty useful and powerful power. That is definitely a good one. I feel like <laughs> I feel like in your day to day life, that would be something that would come in more handy yeah. than like demon transformation or anything like that. Right. And I mean, um, like <laughs> someone like Magneto. Magneto is like. An incredibly powerful villain because and like that's his only power essentially you know yeah yeah it's true um i'm lucas strategy designer in chicago and my favorite kind of falls along those lines a very practical power but um the multiplication he can make multiple copies of himself totally. um I, f- I feel like i would be so productive if i had multiple me's running around being able to do all the work for me yeah um yeah, and I, I just love that <laughs> we get to see that on screen. It's also a very awesome, like, visual gag in these in these movies. Yeah, I mean, all of these powers mean so many, are impl- implemented so differently when you consider a baby having them. Like, it changes oh, totally. the entire <laughs> way you think of, like, oh, what would that power mean when it's in the hands of an infant? Um, oh, yeah. We can talk more about that later yes. on in the episode. Yes. We are not ready to talk about Incredibles 2 yet. We will not spoil that for you. <laughs> but first, every week we like to talk about something that we are, have either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week um, and share that with you guys. So this week, Sandra, what are you feeling? So I think last episode I was feeling Cameron Esposito's new comedy special entitled Rape Jokes. Um, and that was kind of like part comedy special, part like mission statement about sexual assault and um, her feelings about where our country is and the way we talk about sex ed and self- sexual assault. Um, it was so powerful. I was really excited to tell you about it. Then like a week later or two, a week or two later, Hannah Gadsby, a comedian that I really love. She was on one of my all time favorite shows. Please like me. 
Her um, Netflix special was released, and it's called Nanette. And that's what I'm feeling this week. Nanette is... Um, Hannah has been is an Australian comedian that has been working and pretty successful in Australia for a while now, but she, she hasn't gotten any real American attention other than being on Please Like Me. And Nanette, this special on Netflix, is kind of like her big introduction, it seems, to an American audience. And um, this comedy special, parts of it are incredibly funny. But the reason why you should watch it is because it's, I would say it's much more of a manifesto than it is a comedy special. It is her explaining to the world why she feels like she needs to quit comedy, why she thinks comedy is hurting her and maybe possibly hurting our society. And it's also her statement about where we are as a society in the ways that we treat women, the ways we treat the LGBTQ community, and how being a lesbian woman has impacted her mental health, her relationships, her the way she grew up. It's a really, really powerful special. Um, I cried throughout a lot of it. One critic I saw on Twitter called it devastating in a good way, and I think that's the best way to put it. Um, I really, really hope a lot of people see this, because I think it's a really meaningful piece of entertainment and cultural observation. Um, Like I said, it is a comedy special. She is a very funny comedian, but I think she's letting her passion and her anger take over this special in a way that I think really works. And, um, and I think it's very purposeful. She, she really says she's like, she's using her comedy to like get you in to this special. And then once you're hooked and you can't look away, she explains the way comedy works and the way that like it might be destroying her. And so it's really amazing to watch. Um, I hope that people give both Rape Jokes and this new special, Nanette from Hannah Gadsby, a really good watch because I think they're both super, super important. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard so many people talking about it. Um, I just heard people talking about Nanette and I was like, okay, is that a person? Is that yeah. a thing that I should be looking up? And so like, I didn't know if it was a comedy special. I didn't know where, where to find it. So I was just like Googling Nanette right. cause everybody on Twitter was talking yeah. about it. But yeah, so it's definitely one that I have in my list to watch this week. You should. Yeah. It's like I said, it's on Netflix, Netflix. It's easy to access. Um, I hope that she said in the special, she says, like, I think I need to quit comedy. And so now that this special is getting so much positive attention, I'm very curious, like, what her career is going to look like. Is she going to continue to do comedy? Is she going to morph her career into social work and just or into something else to writing? Um, and now that she has much more American attention, I'm just really excited to see what's next for her. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, this week, I went to a comedy show, and I feel like for most people who have heard about Chicago, about comedy in Chicago, um, have heard of Second City. Um, I I had not heard of IO Chicago oh, yeah. um, until moving here, um, and I, I know they have IO Chicago, and they have IO West, which is in LA, and it's, a, it's another big comedy club that a lot of people have gotten their start at, like Stephen Colbert. Um, 
uh, Seth Meyer, Bill Hader. Stands for Improv Olympics. Yes, stands for Improv Olympics, exactly. Um, so we went there this week, and they have imp- the Improvised Shakespeare Company, which is they're basically doing um, Im- improvised theater in the style of Shakespeare. So they are just shouting out um, things in epic pentameter, and it's hilarious and so impressive. Um, so basically the show that we went to, they threw out a title for a play, and the title was Abroad, Abroad. Um, and so they immediately went into a whole play. So we got an hour and a half play that was completely improvised um, with four, or no, was it five actors um, all doing basically a Shakespeare play. And it was one of the funniest things that I've seen. They're all so good. Um, this was the group that Thomas Middleditch um, used to be a part of here. Right. Um, and I like all of these, all of these guys, I feel like they're going on to do really, really great things because they're quick and they're smart and it's hilarious. So, um, I know they do touring shows as well. So if you ever see, uh, the improvised Shakespeare company around at all, definitely check them out. I've heard of this happening in LA and it always sounded like so impressive to me. The idea that you would feel comfortable enough with the old English language and the Shakespearean mm-hmm. like template of language just to be able to improv in that in that mindset is is amazing to me. Yes. So yeah, I will keep an eye out for them. Yeah, that that I think is so impressive and it just keeps you enthralled the entire time, but also to be able to do an hour and a half full story where you feel like you actually saw a complete story arc yeah. out of it. I think is insane when it's all improvised, but um yeah, one of the most impressive things I've seen for sure. Cool. All right, we are now in that point of time that is brand new to us because since we just started doing this, but talking about things that we are in or out on. I'm loving um, this. So just, I'm just, I'm I think it's, a, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a blast. <laughs> we always um, stay up to date on the new things, and this is an easy exactly. Way to do it. We're not going to go into depth on any of these topics. We're just going to give a quick um, summary of what's, what exactly is going on in pop culture and whether we're in and out on it, in or out on it. There we go. Whoa. Um, so first off, right at the top, this came out, was, I think it's over a week ago at this point, but the Carter's new album. Yes. Um, Jay-Z and Beyonce came out with a brand new album that they dropped under the name The Carters called Everything Is Love. Um, one, have you listened to it? The answer is probably yes. But have you listened to it and did you like it? Here's the thing. I haven't listened to it in full. Oh. In full. Oh. I know. Sandra, I'm I'm shocked at you. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I have watched the Ape Shit music video, which is like the yeah. primary music video they released and um, their, their main single from the album. Um, I'm very in on that song and that music video. I think that music video is marvelous. Um the rest of the album, I've listened to some of it, not the whole thing, and I am, I would say, mildly in on it. I think it's, when I'm listening to it, listening to it I think this is good, and I love them, but it's not something I am itching to listen to, because from the few tracks I've heard, and maybe that I might be proven wrong on the other tracks, it feels much more rap-based than it does, like, I think a typical Beyonce pop song, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing, but it's not my particular like taste. I, I don't listen to a yeah. ton of just like straight up, just rap. I listen to a lot more pop and mm-hmm. 
Um, I've never just really cared about Jay-Z. I don't, like, I'm not <laughs> anti-Jay-Z, but, like... We're just, that's not, just not what we're here for. Yeah, that's not, that's just, you know, like, there's a few, like, Jay-Z and Kanye, like, collab songs that, like, really mm-hmm. do it for me, but I don't, I couldn't tell you, like, what any of Jay-Z's album names are, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that, again, in the song Ape Shit, I think it's rad, I think they're both rad on it, but as an album, I'm not, like, super excited about it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel you there. I feel like I'm more out than you are but definitely on the mild side for sure yeah. but i definitely i definitely feel like at this and jay-z's last album i feel have more been about about the pa- the pageantry of these releases and more about the message that they're trying to get across more so than the actual art now the video it's itself i think is amazing and incredible and just beautiful to watch but the actual musical artistry of it of, of this whole album, I think, are just kind of like, yeah, it's it's fine. It's whatever. Um, it's not, I think, the point, which is totally fine. And I think a bunch of people can get on board with it and a bunch of people can still like it. Um, but for me, I it just isn't isn't hitting me at all. Yeah. So that was way too long. I know. I know. <laughs> we got too much into it. Don't we, worry. I won't have we, a lot to we, say about the rest of these. Next. Okay. John Lasseter has been uh, somewhat removed from... Um, Pixar and, and Disney Animation Studios. He was he was heading both of those up. Um, he's been accused by multiple people of sexual harassment. Um, there have been a lot of issues really over the past year just with, with him. Um, he's been kind of pushed out of Pixar and Disney, and they haven't really been able to fill those roles yet. So recently it was announced that Pete Docter, who directed Inside Out and, and Monsters, Inc., will be reluctantly taking over <laughs> at Pixar as a new creative lead there. And Jennifer Lee, the director of Frozen, is going to be taking over the Walt Disney Animation Studio side. Um, how do you feel about either or both of these? I don't really feel anything about that. Like well, that's fine. You can be ambivalent. I, yeah, I'm pretty much ambivalent. I think. Yeah. I'd rather these people who haven't been accused of sexual harassment be in charge than someone <laughs> who has. So I'm in on that. But I don't. Have I mean, any, if those are two options, right, yeah, I'm gonna vote that. <laughs> I don't have any like strong feelings about either of them as creative forces. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're obviously like they have talent. They they're proven successes. Mm-hmm. You know, like. But I'm not. I'm also not super passionate about either of their works. So, yeah. Um, good for them. <laughs> I will say I'm passionate about Pete Doctor's work for sure. I think Monsters Inc. is super strong. I think Inside Out is super strong. And I think, as a cre- I mean, he's also been on the writing team for some other movies as well, but those are his like big direct, big, big directorial um, achievements, I guess. Um, but I, f- I definitely feel like he has been at Pixar for a long time, and I feel like he'll do a really great job of just kind of, you know, putting out good work at Pixar. Yeah. Um, he's one of the few people that hasn't been involved with the sequels at all. So sure. well, yay for Monsters. him. You? Was that not him? No, he was He was not involved with Monster University okay. at all. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Lee, I am ambivalent about Frozen, um, but I definitely am excited that there's, you know, a woman – you know, do it, doing some leadership at Disney, um, totally. especially on the animation department. Cause we haven't really seen that at all. So, um, I'm excited. This is a chance for her to, to really shine and show her work, yeah. which I haven't seen much of before. So sure thing. All right, moving on real quick. AMC is bringing out a subscription service to rival movie pass. How do you feel about this? Here's the thing. I only have one AMC theater near me. Um, there's a second one that's like 40 minutes away. So not ideal. And the one that I have near me is like known as like a shitty theater. Like, you know, like when I was like, oh, this one 
It's not really up to date. Sometimes the projector goes out, you know, like just kind of a shitty place. And so <laughs> this subscription plan doesn't apply to me or interest me because 80% of the movies I want to see are not even going to be shown at that one theater. And it's a theater I'm not True. excited about. So yeah. if I lived in a city with more AMC theaters, it would be something that I would consider if MoviePass goes out of business. That makes sense. And I kind of am with you on that. Um, I have AMC theaters here, but also they're not the closest theaters to me. And like with MoviePass, I, like, there's, it's hard to beat. Like There's not um, a way to either get under the price point or give you access to every single theater for the most part yeah. that like MoviePass does. Um, it's just going to be very difficult. Now, that being said, MoviePass did just um, change its... I guess terms or whatever, but what it's for doing is people, it's with a problem roll it out to everyone. Yes, yes. There's a good chance that it will be rolled out to everybody. But they're adding in a, a bring a guest feature, which is great. But that if you are friends for some reason with someone who does not have movie pass, um if for what is it? For what kind of theaters? For e ticketing theaters, which are very few, um, you can buy another ticket alongside of it. So very limited scope for that, yeah. but that is a bonus if that if you fall into any of those categories. Um, the other nice thing is they're going to start allowing premium showings. So right now you can only go to the regular 2D showings, uh, but they're going to allow you know real real D, 3D, IMAX, all of that um, for an, basically an additional charge. So if you did want to go, you could still use your movie pass and then pay a couple of the extra dollars or whatever it would be sure. to go to those, which is nice. Um, the third thing, which is not as nice, is peak pricing. We still don't know a lot about that, but um, basically during peak hours, which they haven't specified yet, probably opening weekends and stuff like that, um, they're going to, they call it peak pricing. It's basically surge pricing that Lyft and um, Uber use. So if a lot of people are going, you're going to be charged more. So it could be a dollar or two extra to your ticket. So that isn't something that's in effect yet. We'll see how that works as they roll this out. Um, do you think that could change anything? Here's the thing. We all signed up for MoviePass when this price drop happened. And that was back mm -hmm. in, I would say, August or September, right? Yeah, yeah. In those terms and conditions, they said that they would keep the price you signed up at, which for us was $9.95 a month, um, mm -hmm. for one year. That that was a locked-in price for a year. So we're yeah. coming up on the end of that year. And I've been very curious if they were going to raise the price. And mm -hmm. I think that they're really trying to be creative and find ways to avoid raising that $10 a month price. And this is like their solution as of now. Mm -hmm. When it comes to peak pricing, I don't love it, but I would prefer <laughs> it to having a significant monthly price increase or having, you know, less access to movies like theaters being taken away or, you know, yes. less getting to see less movies per month. You know, that is not as appealing to me. Um, mm -hmm. I really hope that they have some explicit guidelines for how to avoid peak pricing. Like, all Friday night showings are considered peak pricing or exactly if, yeah. or a movie's opening weekend is considered peak pricing versus <laughs> just a random show up and see you show up <laughs> and you check in. It's like too bad. It's peak pricing, you know, right. Um, right. If I have some guidelines to work around, um, then that's fine by me because then I can say, I don't care. I'll pay the extra three fifty or whatever it is because I mm -hmm. definitely want to see this movie right now. Or I yeah. can try to plan my week better. 
um, and and avoid that surcharge. Um, mm-hmm. Here's what it, when it comes to like AMC versus Movie Pass, I care more about access to films than I do about price point. So yeah, um, I want Movie Pass to keep their monthly price low, but if Movie Pass were to say we have to up it to $20 a month, but all the rules stay the same, I would stick around for that. Um, because the, I would still be saving money because I'm a high user. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem will be when they start limiting what theaters I can go to, how many movies I can see. You know, that's going to be yeah. the tricky thing for me. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I am right there with you. I feel like... W- for me, the most important thing is access. So there, are, I've got a lot of theaters here in Chicago, and not all of them play all of the movies. Right. So right. you're going to have very, you know, very limited releases at some theaters and stuff like that. And with Movie Pass, I have access to that. And if they start cutting down on that, then that's probably when it'll hurt me the most. Yeah, totally. So. All right, we are super good at going really quickly on this <laughs> yeah. in and out stuff. All right. <laughs> Last but not least, really quickly, the Creed 2 trailer dropped. This is the sequel to 2015-14's um, Academy-nominated, Academy Award-nominated film, Creed, directed by Ryan... Wow, I almost said Ryan Seacrest. Man, my brain today. <laughs> Jeez. Directed by Ryan Coogler, who also directed Black Panther. Um, this follow-up is directed by somebody I have not heard of before, so this is not... Um, He's not directing it, but I all the cast is coming back. I know that Ryan Coogler was not directing yes. the sequel. Yes, mm. he is not directing the sequel. So I don't know if that changes whether you're in or out, but are you in or out? Well, that definitely does change. Um, <laughs> I'm not out, but I was in before, and now I mm-hmm. <laughs> will see. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because Sylvester Stallone has been accused of some shady stuff regarding mm-hmm. women. Um, so, and I don't know all the details of that. I just have heard that he's been accused of stuff. So we'll see how that plays out into this release. Um, but yeah, so like seeing that trailer, I was like, it looks appealing. I love Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson. I had thought Ryan Coogler was directing this, so I was excited <laughs> for a sequel from him. But now that I know he's not directing, I'm just kind of, we'll see. Yeah, this is directed by Stephen Cappell Jr., um, who has directed... The Land in 2016 and A Different Tree in 2014. I've never Neither heard of, of which <laughs> I have heard of. Um, and that's about it. Some looks like TV movies and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know how he got this awesome gig, uh, but congrats to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has huge shoes to fill, but I, I'm... I'm in on it based on the cast and based on the first movie alone. Um, This is a situation where you are going to have to, (laughs) you're going to have to show your work here because it's got to be, it's got to be good for me to stick around for a boxing movie because I'm not normally a fan of those. But um, based on the strength of the first Creed, I will, I'm definitely in on the second one. Yeah. All right. After that lengthy section of in or out, (laughs) we are finally able to talk about the latest Pixar movie, Incredibles 2. later after the first one yes yeah so this is the follow-up to 2004 um four's 
movie, obviously The Incredibles, um, Brad Bird's first turn at a Pixar movie, and after his movie The Iron Giant, which he did with Disney, um, he came over to Pixar to make a superhero film. Uh, this movie takes place in a completely different world than, <laughs> than we're used to. I think this is, I mean, all, both of these movies are set in kind of a modernist, futurist, like 60s Um I think they're they're both beautiful, and I feel like it's going to be difficult to talk about um, the second one without talking about how wonderful the first one is. So let's start there. Did you love the first one, and then how did you feel about the second one? I loved the first one. Um, that and Finding Nemo are probably a tie for my favorite Pixar films. Um, mm. Yeah, I loved the first one. I was just hands down, loved it. Was excited about the second one because of how much I loved the first one. Um, what about you? Did you love the first one? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, this is possibly tied. I'm going through and doing a, a Pixar kind of marathon, just going through all of the Pixars. I took a break, did this one out of order, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, yeah, I'm going through all of them, and we're up to Wally now. But so far, yeah, Incredibles 1 is by far my favorite so far. Yeah. So how did you feel about Incredibles 2? I really liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I think there, like, it needed another pa- script, uh, ugh, another pass at the script. Like, I think there's just some um, some issues that they could have worked out that are a little muddled, um, not as clear and, I think, precise as the first movie. Um, I think they've got a villain problem, but that's <laughs> not new with superhero movies. So <laughs> um, I feel like you're going to fall back on that anyway. But one of the things that I really, really, really do like about the first one and this one is how people express their powers. Um, you just get such a visual, a great visual representation of what people's powers do, um, kind of what their limitations are, and then really inventive ways of using those. Um, one of the things that I've said about the Marvel movies and the DC movies is everybody has punchy powers, and that's about it. You just jump around flying and punching people, yeah. um, and you don't get a lot of really cool expressive ways of using these powers that they have right um i had a lot of fun in this movie i like you said part of my one of my favorite parts about it was the reason i love the x-men movies is because there's so many different types of like creative powers and you get to Mm -hmm. see how all those like interact with each other and that was the same thing in this movie is that like Every different person in it has a completely unique set of powers. And some of them are very classic, like Mr. Incredible, like he's just very strong. Some of them are way more like weird and interesting. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just seeing all those like people working together or working against each other is so fun. I think all of the fight sequences in this movie are just like really a really amazing fun time. And beautiful um, too. Like yes. they, they've like visually, it's not just fun, but it's so striking. Like there, I don't want to talk about exactly all the fight scenes yet, but like there are some of these fight scenes that you will like want to just rewatch for the visuals of sure. it. It's so beautiful. And I disagree with you, Lucas. I actually loved the villain in this movie. Um, I, I mm. really, really enjoyed the villain aspect of it. Um, my favorite part of the movie, however, is the humor in it. And I don't think we got enough of the humor. Um, but all the moments that we did get, I was like really had a fun time with my ultimate issue that I realized leaving Incredibles two is that I am so much more interested in the kids in the family than I am Mm -hmm. the parents. Um, I find 
Mr. Incredible to be a very boring character. <laughs> and <laughs> um, Holly Hunter is amazing. And that keeps me really interested in the mom, Elastigirl. But um, I always, the scenes that I perked up and like paid such close attention to and had so much fun with were the scenes where like the kids were the focus. Um, and so... Yeah, I would. I hope that there is a third movie that we get. The story is about them and less about their parents' different midlife crises. Crises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that definitely that's one of the script issues that I think would have been uh, kind of ironed out if they'd played with this a little bit more. Is that the focus isn't on the kids at all? And the yeah. first movie, the focus wasn't on the kids at all. And I thought that was going to be like the great thing about this is that, you know, okay, now that they've gotten to this point, now we can actually like learn more about these kids and stuff, especially with this being, I mean, we'll say it's a cartoon, it's a kid's movie. And like being able to see kind of more about what these kids are going through and what they're, uh, you know, I guess exploring their powers more, which they are doing, but it's just, it's just, this movie is focused on the adults and that's, it's fine. I didn't have an. I didn't think it was bad. I just think it could have been better yeah. if it had been more focused on the kids. Totally. Mo- the mo- the moments I had the most fun in the whole movie were the Jack Jack scenes and any of the humor coming from the Dash character. I find him oh, so man. funny, and we get so little of him in this movie. And yeah, and so I just really wanted more of those two characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. <laughs> At the very beginning, somebody says something about his powers, and he goes, "It's what he goes. It's what defines me, or yeah. something like that." And everyone just stares at him, like, "Where did you hear that?" Right. He's like, "I don't know. It was on TV or something like that." But yeah, his lines have the funniest delivery, yes. and him as a, just a character is hilarious. And they did not lean into that comedy as much as they should Absolutely. have. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, music. Do you like the music at all in this movie? Um, I do. I'm not the kind of person that pays attention to scores as much as I probably should. Um, Hmm. I think for us, for me to notice a score, it has to be like incredibly noticeable. Like it has to be so Mm -hmm. exceptionally beautiful that I like, Whoa, this music. And so I don't think I ever really noticed the score in this, in this movie, but I always love the vibe of both the first Incredibles movie and this one. And like, I feel like the score is part of that vibe that I really enjoy. Like you mentioned that kind of like alternate universe, modern sixties, um, aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I thought the, the score for this was, was really great and really fit the tone. I don't think there was anything extraordinary, extraordinary, or, um, I don't know, out of left field in this, but I felt like it just was such a great supporting character for this. <laughs> like everything it did just fit perfectly for, for what it should be. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else before we talk about spoilers. Cause there's so let's much I want to say it. in spoilers. Okay. Let's talk about spoilers before we get started. Does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember you wanted this. I've been listening to a podcast about this movie and somebody mentioned that the raccoon was um, one of the best villains in this or one, one of the one of the best villains. And in my head, I equated that there was going to be a raccoon that was the villain. <laughs> um, I so when the raccoon showed up in this movie, I was like, oh, this is the villain. This is going to be interesting. I'm really <laughs> curious to see how this raccoon plays out. And then he never shows up again. But the whole time I was just waiting, waiting for this raccoon oh to show goodness, up. That is really funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, tell me about the villain. Tell me what it is that, that you thought worked so well with her. Well, I think it was kind of, like, you are, I was immediately suspicious of, you know, the Bob Odenkirk character and his sister. I don't remember their names exactly, but. Yeah, this, of course. Why would you put them in there? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're very obviously, like, suspicious. It's all yeah. too good to be true, um, and. Mm-hmm. The Bob Odenkirk character is like a smarmy salesman, and that is obviously mm-hmm. someone to be suspicious of, you know? Right, and right. So, you know, you're looking out for them the whole time. So it wasn't a surprise. Like, the villain thing wasn't a surprise. Yeah. What yeah. was a surprise, though, was that I was more suspicious of the Bob Odenkirk character, and he ended up being completely innocent in all of it. And I think that was a fun twist for me. Um, in addition to that... I really just loved Catherine Keener as a villain. Um, I think her voice was very suited yeah. to like this character and this villainous role. I loved her explanation when Elastigirl, Holly Hunter's character, is kind of like, "Oh, you said that you were gonna help us, like you." And she's like, why did you trust me? Like, you don't, we are strangers. Why did you put all this trust in me? I just loved Mm -hmm. a villain calling that out so clearly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you fool. I don't know what you were thinking, but I took advantage of it. Um, I really like. When she first showed up on screen, I thought it was Rashida Jones for a second. Oh. Um, And which. I would be down for her to be the villain in anything for sure. sure. But I like Catherine Keener's voice in this is really, really great. Yeah. And I think sells, sells that character really well. But I don't like, for me, I think the, the worst thing about it is the backstory, like, like just her motivation for it to me didn't come across well. And it didn't make a lot of sense. It's her parents died. And so now she hates supers. Like, I feel like that's kind of like just a generic, like, I don't know, like, there's, there's not. I didn't get a good, clear reason for why she's going through all of this. Yeah. Um. I get. I get. I get that. That's kind of like a cliched motivation. Um. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that in something that's like kind of as stereotypical as like The Incredibles, like superhero, it is like that. That mm-hmm. cliche doesn't bother me as much. Yeah. I think. The Incredibles likes to play with superhero cliches, and I think that that's kind of part of what they're doing with, like, the whole, yeah. like, my parents died, and so now my wrath is, you know, being invoked yeah. on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just into it. I liked, um, I think the name Screenslaver is really rad. Like, <laughs> I think it's a great villain name. Um, And it's, like, a terrifying, it is a terrifying thing, even though, like, this universe didn't have like a lot of cell phones all the way around like people constantly on cell phones Mm -hmm. or tablets there are screens everywhere and like the idea that like the scene where elastigirl had to fight blind also i thought was really really cool choreography um yeah and so that also like blended into like my really my Mm -hmm. fondness of like this villain yeah yeah i i think I think she's great. I think a lot of what happens is great. I just think her backstory and like message for what she wants and what she, and she, she also like, I think, well, she, but like the screen slaver has, I think like two big monologues that don't really come across in the rest of the movie, which kind of makes sense if, if it's like a throwaway, like this is all supposed to be fake right. and, you know, just to try to get this across. But 
I also wanted it to matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh, I want that to be like a, an interesting part of this movie that we're talking about is how screens are affecting our lives. And when reality is just like, oh, yeah, I don't care about that. That's just kind of part of the distraction. Sure. So, yeah, let's talk about the the kids. I like we said it earlier, like this movie, I think should have been about the kids for sure. Um, we get a little bit of Violet story, um, but it's mostly just about how she wants to hang out with this boy and not actually like an, I don't know, like an investigation into who she is now that she's a superhero or something well, like that, which I was much more excited I about. Think her story could have used a lot more attention, but I think it is an interesting take on like, it is about wanting to be with this boy, but it's really about being a superhero and being a part of this family is like messing up my life. You know, like I didn't get to mm-hmm. pick this and it's having all these effects on me being a normal teenager. And I'm angry about that. And that I think is a really fun and interesting like story to tell and also very relatable. The idea of just like yeah. being angry to be a part of the family you're in when you're a teenager and there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about it. And you're just so mad, you know? Yeah, um, that's true. I really yeah. loved that storyline. Um, the mm-hmm. scene of her like trying to destroy her super suit and like trying to like make a like, <laughs> statement in front of her dad about it. And just like, and not going the way she wanted is, I thought, really fun. Yeah. I really love when they get to use, like, regular family dynamics in a superhero setting. Yes. Um, and so, which, obviously, the first one explored a lot. Um, but this one didn't explore, I think, the fun ones, I guess. I don't, like, the family dynamic of mom working and dad having to stay home with the kids. Like, to me, that isn't as interesting, which I guess... I don't, I don't know if this changes anything that it's in the sixties or whatever. And that, but like, this has always felt like a relevant movie and it's never felt like a period piece, even though it had that kind of fun setting. Right. Um, but to kind of play that aspect out felt, I don't know, felt more like it was trying to be a period piece. So I don't know. How did you feel? Um, I feel like it was less about gender politics and more about like, I mean, I guess inherently it definitely is about gender politics because it is, yeah. you know, it is. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I feel like what they're exploring is, like, more about people fulfilling, like, their potential in ways, like, that they had avoided or, like, thought that they were done with. So, like, the idea of, like, Bob having to, like, stay home with the kids and being, like part of his potential of being a dad is something he just like hadn't focused on, you know, for Mm -hmm. a myriad of reasons. And now it's finally time for him to like focus on that. And then on the flip side, um, Elastigirl, Helen, like her character, she had thought she'd given up like this career, this like superhero lifestyle. And now she's having to focus on fulfilling that potential again. And her like reckoning with, oh, I thought I was done and I thought I was happy not doing this. And it turns out I'm actually super happy doing it. And that's like a surprise to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I wish that had been mirrored. Like I like because she's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then finding out, oh, I'm actually really good at this. And I really love yeah. this. I kind of wish we'd also seen that um, from Bob Parr's side as well. So they kind of had that mirrored experience where he's like, you know, oh, I don't I don't know if I can do this. And then finds out that he loves it and might not necessarily be as good at it as, you know, Helen is or anything like that. Yeah. But you get kind of get that mirroring. I just. I, just, I, I feel like I've said this many times, but I feel like if you just push this script a little bit farther, sure. this could be like one of the best movies ever. Yeah, yeah. 
And and so I don't want to feel like I'm I'm like hating on the movie, but I really no. really liked it. I just feel like there's so many things the that would be like, oh man, if you just tweak this a little bit. It's a great fun time at this at the summer movies. You know, like yeah, it's it's yep. a great fun time, but it isn't going to go down as like any of like our all-time favorite Pixar movies that like incredibly moved us. And especially with Pixar, there's so much to compare it to. Like it's just very hard to kind of work in that field. And so I feel like any time a Pixar movie comes out, I, I personally end up criticizing it harder than other movies because of the, the bar that, that Pixar set. So, um, I do want to talk about Jack, Jack because. Oh, Jack, Jack. He's a big focus of this movie. Um, I had so much fun with all of his scenes, especially the ones where we like the raccoon scene where it's mostly him and we don't get to just it's not just him doing something and the adults panicking. um, Right. Where we just get to see him like having fun by himself with these powers. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were like really delightful for me. Yes. Yeah. That scene was one of my favorites other movie another scene that's one of my favorites is him and edna mode um their (laughs) their little interactions both both sides of it when she says she's not a baby person and then when bob comes back and it finds out that like she just loves jack Jack. um like both of those i think were amazing but like the and there's so many different things like the moment where bob realizes like he has a lot of powers and that one of them is that he can walk through walls and the (laughs) idea of an infant being like you can't trap it anywhere like yeah because it can yeah. walk through walls is terrifying like when you think of being a parent of an infant mm-hmm. like of, with that superpower that's super terrifying then also the power to disappear into another dimension whatever it wants oh. to <laughs> another terrifying power for a baby to have i know <laughs> it makes yeah, the that... fire one Oof. look so fun easy you know like it really does it's it makes the fire one seem manageable like (laughs) which i think is so fun because you get that like yes these are superheroes and even for them like managing a baby is difficult like they're terrifying things about having and managing a baby and you get to see that played out so and it's also just so fun like there were so many powers that like some of them got a lot of airtime, like the fire one, mm-hmm. the dimensions one got a lot of airtime. Mm-hmm. But then some we only saw like little glimpses of, like when he started to like make himself look like Edna Mode. Like, yeah, yeah. His mimicry or whatever like that, that I think <laughs> is super cool. And I think I there's so many possibilities you can go with this. And I love that she mentioned that like as babies, you know, they can have multiple powers and they usually grow into one or two or whatever, which I think is great See, and makes it more manageable. I don't but think that that's what I, I heard the line to be, Lucas. Oh, really? What'd you hear? I heard the line to be like, it's not unheard of for supers to be more born with more than one power, but Jack-Jack has like tons of them. So like Violet has multiple powers. She can mm-hmm. be invisible and she can create force fields. And so I think it's like, I thought she was saying like, it's not crazy that like he has more than one power. That happens sometimes, but it is crazy how many he has. Mm. So he could be the most powerful of all. We shall I think, see. I mean, I we think shall he see. has to be. Like, <laughs> um, what? I I think it's fun. I think it's too many for now. Like I, like, for if if he were an actual character, like if he got to be you know yeah. ten or twelve, and he has all of these powers, it's 
almost like a Superman syndrome where there's just like nothing you can do to defeat well, him kind of situation. It's no longer fun. But what would be fu- what would be an interesting story to explore? Let's say there was a sequel or like a third one um, mm-hmm. where, you know, this movie picked up right after the first one. What would be fun is if we did get to jump in time a little bit to when yes. Jack Jack is more of a kid, like Dash's age. And we get to see Dash being kind of like a teenager and we get to see Violet being a 20 something. And oh, that'd be so much fun. Yes, and we get to and if the main so the main plot of the first one is that like supers are illegal, but like they're they're trying to like man, live with that. The main plot of the second one is supers are illegal, but they're trying to make themselves legal and they do at the end. If the main mm-hmm. plot of the third one was supers are legal, but Jack-Jack is this kid that has way more powers than any other super that's ever been known. And that's becoming a problem. Like, <laughs> maybe we need to make supers illegal again because Jack-Jack is, like, um, like even more of a threat than anyone could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That could be really interesting. I think there's so much you could do with this universe. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm glad they're not you know just cranking these out. Like one of the things that Brad Bird said is he didn't want to come back to this until he had an idea for a good story. And I think that's great. I think yeah, if you've got like a really good story that needs to be told and you want to tell it in this universe, that's absolutely fantastic. I don't want Cars two and three. I do not want that for this franchise. Yeah. Um, but I love the idea of doing more of these. <laughs> so like yeah, I I think that's an excellent idea. I think there's so much here to work with and i'm excited for Did more you stay for the credits no is there an after credit scene so there's not an after credit scene but throughout the credits oh, i was about to be so upset throughout the credits <laughs> there's a lot of like animation that happens uh and it's mostly just like highlights from things that happened in the movie but like animated in a different style you know uh, like the like like a 2d animation yeah, yeah, like yeah. type stuff yeah, not like, like okay yeah it's like and, the, you know like yes okay. yes so i think that's what they did in the first yeah. movie's credits as well yeah so the very last thing that appears in the credits that is like animated is just a shot of um the villain that we saw at the beginning of the movie the underminer Mm-hmm. And it's just a shot of him just kind of like coming across the screen. And I've heard people online saying like because of that's the last thing we see, that it could be a slight nod or tease to the fact that like the underminer is still out there. I would love it if the underminer just continues to get away with sure. everything. Like he's just never the focus of the movie, but he's just going about his business and always gets away with yeah. whatever. So <laughs> Yeah, so this is something to but, know that to know. Yeah, okay, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. All right. Um, do you have anything else about The Incredibles? No, I had a fun time. I, think, I want more of the I kids. Yep. I think I'm in the same spot. More kids, more of these movies, but only if they're good. Yeah. Also, if you need help, Pixar, from a story level, um, you've got two great staff writers here that we're, we're we'll, oh, right. we'll do it if you oh, need us we'll, to. We'll you know, ship in so. if, we, if you need. Um, I do want right, to right. rem- mention a tweet that I saw that just really cracked me up. And it was someone who I think was probably around our age um, or who was talking to a kid recently and said that they like really loved the first Incredibles. Maybe they're younger. I don't know. But like, and the kid was like, Whoa, the first, like, when did you watch that? And the person was like, Oh, well, when I was younger, you know, like when I was a kid or, yeah. And um, 
the kid now said, well, was it in color? Um, oh, my gosh. And so that just makes me laugh. The idea that, like, <laughs> for kids nowadays, the first Incredibles, if they haven't seen it, seeming so far away that, like, it could have been a black and white movie is oh, man. makes me smile. So. I saw it after graduation for most of the schools right. around here. So m- there was a ton of seniors in high school, seniors in high people who had just graduated from high school yeah. in my theater, um, just groups and groups of them. It, it felt like an entire school was there because they all knew each other. And yeah. it was a massive theater, but it was like 100 kids that were there all together um, wanting to watch this movie. And I thought about it, and as you, could, you know, you can hear them talking about it and everything like that. But m- this movie came out when they were like four. Yeah. Like, it's like that, like that has how, like that this movie is like, I don't know, like Lion King to well, us. Like, like it's just a um, story was for a lot of us because yeah, Toy that's story true. That's true. Came out like when we were in college and that's like about that character going to college. You right. Know? Yeah. To them, this is a movie that's just always been in their yeah. lives. And to me, that's one, that's awesome. Um, and two is <laughs> super emotional, I think yeah. for, for them to kind of watch this next chapter of it. But um, it's just super exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media platforms. My username is at Sandra Amstutz and my last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and stuff, and you can find us all together at feeling it pod on Twitter. And you can email us at facebook.com. Nope. That is not it. Um, what is it? feelingapod at gmail.com right that's an email address cool www.feelingapod at gmail.com um yes that's it for us all right goodbye we're done thank you goodbye now goodbye go away i'll see you soon okay that's it go home yep move along padre goodbye old friend that's it that's our show for tonight people